Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in. Today, we were joined by Harris Zulkernan. He's a partner at Treadstone Law, and he's one of my occasional guests that I'll bring on to give us a little sense of what's going on from a legal perspective. Today, we discussed a few things that are happening in the market, including interest rates and what's happening with appraisals, because as the tide turns, we've got some interesting stuff happening there. So I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, please uh, share, like, subscribe and uh, check out some of our past episodes too. Take care. Hey guys, welcome to Spilling the Tea, a podcast brought to you by Pico Mortgages. I'm your host, Dan Johannes, and in this series, we'll be interviewing some really interesting entrepreneurs, real estate professionals, and really anyone that's got a story that I think is worth sharing with you, the viewers. So sit back, relax, I hope you enjoy it, and please comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. All right, cool. And we are live on my end. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Talks. What's up, Dan? Hey, not much, Harris. How are you doing today? Good, good. That's um, good, man. Lots to talk about, man. Yeah, I know. It's, it's been a minute since we've jumped on a call. Um, mm-hmm. And there's been a lot going on as far as real estate. Um, why don't I jump in? A little bit and talk about um, valuations, and because uh, this is something I'm seeing recently uh, pop up, and it's one of those things where you know, and when it's a very aggressive market, uh, which it's mm-hmm. been over the last couple of years, yeah. we now get into uh, a different type of market as the tide starts to turn. Valuations are coming in lower. And yeah. I think this is going to pose more of an issue. I think I, I read a story online where um, uh, some appraisers were warning of this. And uh, I've seen it in a few client files as well, too, where the appraised value comes in lower than the actual purchase price. And this poses a problem because lenders will lend on the purchase price or the appraised value, whichever is lower, right? And then you got to make a difference. So people are like in the past when you'd have a, a difference of a very small difference. It wasn't material enough to make um, a big deal out of a closing. Typically the, between, you know, the sellers and maybe a few different comparables, we could close that gap. But when we're talking a substantial gap now, it's becoming an issue because. uh, Um, I mean, before you dive into it, um, let me just step back. Cause I know that you're in this (laughs) industry and you, and you know, like you're kind of, uh, you know, this stuff inside out as you should. Um, and if you ever want a mortgage, go to Pico mortgages, um, with Dan, but, um, let's step back because I know that when people are buying a house, especially in recent years, we've never had this issue happen. Typically you go for an approval and, and the bank's approving, um, the person and, and if they can pay something, pay the mortgage back. Right. But like I tell, like everybody, and I'm sure I know you do, right. That you have to get approved twice. You have to get approved and the property has to get approved, but the property approval has never been an issue because valuations have always been the, the real estate market is going up. So mm-hmm. valuations have always been, um, like on point haven't really caused much, uh, much trouble. Now we have, I want to say a downturn, 
but it's like it's flattening out. Maybe right. there may be a little nominal downturn, but I don't know if it's really a downturn. And so now that second approval, the approval of the house, um, there's kind of some kinks to it, right? Because it's not necessarily where people are expecting it to be. Yeah, that's exactly it, right? Because I think there has to be a strong separation or, or uh, explanation really on the two different types of approvals, because you're right. right. We can pre-approve or pre-qualify the same as a bank, but when it comes down to it, that last piece of the puzzle being what's the house worth, because that's the collateral that you're putting up for that loan. Um, that's really up to the appraisers. So we're seeing more uh, purchases that are requesting appraisals as opposed to desktop appraisal or an auto appraisal. And then those appraisers, and these are my conversations I've had over the last few weeks with appraisers, mm-hmm. they have to kind of take into consideration market conditions and what's happening now, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, everything. Um, so they're a lot more conservative because that's just the way they are. In fact, I spoke to one appraiser who had mentioned that if there isn't enough comparables for a property, the default is to take the MPAC assess. So the, what is the municipal property assessment corporation, your MPAC mm. will send out annually um, an assessment on the property. They take maximum two and a half times that assessment as like top line for that appraised value. Um, so if it's like way off the mark there, then, you know, it's cause for concern. And you're right. Yeah. The last couple of years, it hasn't been an, uh, an issue really at all um, yeah. with getting the valuation. So, I mean, when you say there isn't enough comparables, what does that mean? Like how many comparables do you need? What's not enough? Yeah. Good question. So if there isn't any, I guess that are comparable in size, let's say there was a completely new, home that was like it was torn down and then there's maybe three stories or a um laneway housing is a big thing in toronto right so maybe this property's got laneway housing on it so it's hard to compare because you can do sort of minor adjustments based on the number of garages or bathrooms or anything like that but when you've got a substantial difference on that property they may not have as many comparables because it's a function of how many are similar to that property that you're assessing Mm. and then geographically that location. So, you know, if there's one, but it's, it's 10 kilometers away, well, they're not really going to put much weight to that. So it's got to be, it's got to be close. And then it's also got to be comparable in the type of property. Typically you're seeing three or four comparables. Um, I've seen as much as eight comparables when there really isn't much, but they're trying to um, get more as a, like a weighted average. So, mm, so, yeah. and how often do, does that happen? How often does the, like, get, are in? there like a lack of comparable? So like out of every, uh, and I'm putting you on the hot seat here hmm. out of every, like 10 deals that cross your desk, how many would you say don't have comparables? Uh, not too many, um, especially if we're talking condos, because condos pretty simple, right? I mean, it's mm. a floor plan. You can't really change when we're talking about, um, semi-detached or detached homes, especially in the larger metropolitan areas, that could be a challenge. Um, mm. But it's, a, for the most part, if there's any sort of renovations that's happening on a property, it's mostly cosmetic. It's nothing too substantial. Um, or where they've maybe taken a property and they've 
converted it into a legal triplex or something, and then you don't have a lot in that area that have been converted, that's where it becomes a little, um, little trickier to find those comparables. But yeah, generally speaking, it wasn't really an issue in the past, but it's, it's something that people want to keep an eye out for. Because let's say, for example, you bought a property and you paid $1.2 million on it and you've got 20% down, that's 240000 on a 1.2. But what happens if that appraised value comes in at a million bucks? So now you're short 200000 off of the, the purchase mm-hmm. price. The bank's going to give you 80% of... Not the 1.2, but the 100,000. Or sorry, 1 million. So you're getting um, 800,000. You need to come up with $400,000 as a down payment. And some people just don't have that liquidity. Or if you're you know, selling your existing property and you need to come up with it, maybe that equity isn't there for it. So, Yeah. So you have to cover the gap basically between your offer and your appraisal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, this is where the role of having a really good realtor partner is so important because they're the ones that are sort of the front line. They're the ones that mm. get to walk the houses with you and they see what the market is um, sort of dictating as far as purchase price. Right, And just because something had closed or there's a pending sale for a certain amount doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to close. Right, So if someone comes in guns blazing and they just... They put 500000 over asking, but everything in that market, it's just kind of priced out of that market, but yeah, yeah. it sold pending. Well, there's a chance that that person can't get that mortgage on the property and it's going to be back on the market. We've seen that happen as well, too. So something to be careful of. Actually, one of my neighbors had sold his property. He built a, a new duplex um, and then put it on the market. It was supposed to close the beginning of May. But the gentleman was having financing issues, um, should have come to Pico, but <laughs> ended up having to close. Uh, he's actually closing next week, I think. So took another six weeks to get the money together and to get things sorted out. Um, but, yeah. you know, it happens. I think, I think the issue is also because um, it was difficult for even like the best realtors to some extent um, to see this coming because... Let's say you're buying a house in February or March, but you're mm. closing in June. They're gonna they're going to advise you based on what was happening in February and March, which is like the sentiment was that it was going up. So you've closed the deal then, but by the time you come to close, um, the value is actually going down. I think we lost you for a bit, Dan. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, I'm still here, but I got all of it. I actually heard all the audio, but yeah, that's, that's all right. That's exactly uh, sort of the, the, you know, the risk that, uh, uh, that we're facing here in this market. So, yeah, so, you- so what, is there anything that somebody can do to get around this? Is there any options anyone mm, has? That's a good question. So if you're stuck in a situation where you already have an accepted purchase agreement, and you're having a hard time um, with the appraisal coming in on value, you could go back with your realtor and uh, try and find additional comparables. Sometimes that helps uh, if there is a little bit more information on the property that can justify that higher price. Um, Mm. The other option is to go back and try and renegotiate that purchase agreement. Hopefully you have a financing condition on your purchase. Uh, That's why I, 
hundred percent advise everyone, even in the hottest market, you know, we'd get pushback on putting financing conditions, but this is exactly when it's needed, right? Because it gives us enough time to get the appraisal and see exactly what it's worth. But if you haven't and you're in firm, then yeah, you can go back with your realtor, maybe try and renegotiate the purchase agreement to something lower. Uh, I've seen it happen. So it, it is possible, or maybe um, see if you can get someone else on the application that can sort of be your money partner and help close the gap by bringing money to the table. There's a few options. None of them are really ideal. Um, yeah. There's some tough conversations there. I know that like going back, renegotiating, um, there are certain things that like people might wonder, like why would a seller um, want to renegotiate? Mm. Well, the thing is, is they'd rather perhaps they're buying a house as well. And they need you to buy the house because the market's soft. And sure, if you breach the agreement, they could sue you, but it's going to take some time and doesn't there's right. no guarantee in it. And how long it takes and all, the added costs on top of everything is not worth the headache. So it's always good to go back and say, hey, listen, I thought it was this much, but um yeah. Uh, and, and, and it may work. Definitely might work. Definitely a conversation yeah. worth having. Would you say that the, if you're going back to renegotiate an agreement, is it, um, is there more weight if it's coming from someone like you as a lawyer, as opposed to, uh, the real estate agent? Like, yeah. is there, is that well, a better way? Um, typically from what I've seen, um, if you're going through a lawyer, the lawyer is going to charge you for the negotiations. Right. Um, Cause like right now the fees that you see online for closings, is just like you're, you're coming yeah, to the lawyer just, with yeah. a, a firm agreement. Um, whereas the realtor most likely will not charge you because they're looking for that entire commission. Right. That makes sense. And I guess if they've already got that, um, that relationship with the listing agent, you know, maybe yeah. there's, there's a little bit of um, weight that they can kind of, um, put there to convince them as well too, because the listing agent likely knows that the market has changed as well too. Um, but yeah, I and think it, it's. I'm I'm also of the opinion that when you go back with the realtor, mm -hmm. um, it's just seen more as a friendly conversation. Whereas if you're going with your lawyer, it's going to be seen as more aggressive. Oh, that's a good point too. Yeah, you don't so, want to come off as like I'm already lawyered up and uh, yeah. you know take it or leave it. Um, yeah. Although I think. I've, I recall in the past, um, this was years ago where someone tried walking away from, uh, an accepted purchase agreement and trying to get their deposit back. Um, and I believe the seller had forced, uh, it was someone at a brokerage I was working at, uh, was dealing with this client, but some, the, I guess the, um, seller had, uh, threatened them with legal action. So both of them lawyered up and, uh, it didn't, uh, I mean, they ended up closing on it, but I heard it cost more in sort of just legal fees than it was really worth yeah. to, yeah. you know, to back out of it. Well, uh, that, yeah, that's the thing. Um, it really depends. I have seen people walk back and, and kind of, uh, there are instances of people leaving their deposit right, and just kind of going away because they're like, all right, to, they're, they're willing to give the seller um, the deposit uh, because let's say you, you put uh, a $20,000 deposit, um, but you've seen that the house value has fallen like a hundred thousand. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 that's in a lot of ways a smart decision if you can come to that agreement. Just because, um, uh, to a lot of people, it's like, oh my god, it's like twenty thousand dollars that I'm losing. I I need to get the house now, no matter what. Well, I mean, do you want to get in? Do you want to get private loans, right, or whatever other mortgages, or get other people involved mm-hmm. and yeah. make it very expensive for a house that's not worth that much you've already let's say it's dropped a hundred thousand and your deposit's 20 well it's either losing twenty thousand or it's losing a hundred thousand plus any extra fees to get any other financing or whatever right, else it yeah. is to get into that house right and so now you do have a house or something to show for it but you've already lost over a hundred thousand before you stepped in why not let them um, keep the 20, you can go buy the same similar house somewhere else for a hundred thousand dollars less now. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. So you still like, you're, you're walking away with essentially figuratively speaking, 80, 80,000. Right. Yeah. Um, that's one thing other people do feel like, um, it's, uh, you know, uh, like if I walk away, even if the seller doesn't agree, they get to keep the deposit and that's it. That's all. That's not really it. Uh, what typically happens or should happen is that uh, in terms of rights, more or less, now this is not legal advice, this is just information that I'm <laughs> spreading, um, is that uh, um, the seller is, uh, they have they can claim damages and damages are mm. basically if they were to sell the house again, um, like how much would it cost them extra? How much would the, would the price be less? Would there, what would be the additional costs? in making them whole for the contract that they um, got into with you and, and you've kind of walked away from. Right. And, and in that sense, um, let's say it costs them an extra 10 grand to sell it again, but the deposit was 20,000. Um, they don't have a legal claim to the entire 20,000. Then they can have mm. a claim on the 10, but the right. remainder would be yours. Now there's that, but there's also then, um, would you want to try to sue them to get that 20 back? Like a lot of this stuff is negotiated and settled out of court. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not an easy uh, or a short process to go through the whole um, yeah. court filings and everything else. And then, so what happens if they list it, let's say in your example is a $20,000 uh, deposit on the offer and it was 10,000 to put it back on the market Um staging, whatever else included. And then it turns out that uh, they actually get 50,000 less for the property at that time. Can the seller go after the original um, buyer that pulled out of the agreement and say, Hey, you know, we're actually short, whatever it was. um, Yeah. 40,000. So it's going to be technically any, any expenses that, uh, um, they were going to, they have to put in to sell the house again and any price difference. Mm. So like, let's say there's it's hypothetically, um, they're supposed to walk away with, uh, the sellers are supposed to walk away with a million dollars, but they walk away with uh, 1.2 million afterwards. Then they don't have a claim to your deposit. You could actually go sue them in small claims or whatever. Um, usually small claims because deposits aren't always huge. Um, they're below 30,000. So you could go sue them and get that money back. Or um, you can, uh, if, if it's less, let's say they're supposed to walk away with a million and they, and, and the sellers walk away with 800,000, they would then um, uh, like they can sue you for that difference. Right. 
Oh, that makes sense. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's not the most ideal situation to be in either way. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like you said, if it's between that and private money, private money is prohibitively expensive. And in some cases, like other cases, it's, it's got its uh, purpose, right. But if it, if you can walk away, um, from a contract and pick up a comparable property and then, you know, forego all of that, uh, um, additional, those additional fees for closing on it might be a good idea. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's kind of what's going on right now is the appraisal thing is, uh, is become a little bit of a concern for buyers. Now, the other concern is, uh, rates. So fixed rate, the bond mm. yield. And this is something like it's been happening since January, February, where it's incrementally, it's gone up um, uh, in steps. And, you know, everyone kind of focuses on the variable and the Bank of Canada with the overnight lending rate. And they make these announcements and, oh my goodness, it's all, but those are predicted. Um, and we knew that those were being considered um, and uh, the last one was, was June 1st, but slowly that overnight, or sorry, the bond yield has been creeping up to the point where fixed rate mortgages now are like four and a quarter, four and a half for just a yeah. five-year AAA client sort of thing. And the challenge now, and I think uh, stories.com had a recent one that uh, I've been saying for a while, that people are going to start shifting over to a variable rate, even if they're not, if it's not their first option. Because the way the stress test and our qualifying um, um, criteria goes right now, that mortgage qualifying rate is 5.25%, mm. right? And so if you're taking an insured mortgage, so you put less than 20% down, we do 5.25 on 25-year amortization. That's what we call qualify you on, um, regardless of what your interest rate was in the past. And in the past, that interest rate's always been under 3.25%. Because the rule states 5.25 uh, is the qualifying rate or the contract plus 2%. Now that rates are over 4% for a fixed rate, all of a sudden it's pushed that up to 6 plus percent. And when we use that as a qualifying rate, it drops your overall affordability. So people are sliding into variables because right now, you know, you're getting a variable rate of under 3%. We can still qualify you on that 525 um, stress test rate. So, uh, but some people are converting it to a fix on closing anyway. So this is something that's come up because, uh, you know, predominantly fixed rate mortgages have been, um, the most popular in the market, but, uh, people are starting to switch over to variable or realizing that fixed rates, like I had a client, uh, who reached out recently, they're up for renewal and they couldn't believe like, Oh my God, like, my existing lender just offered me, I think it was four and a quarter in a five year. And, you know, when you're used to getting uh, rates that were around 2% on a, on a fixed term, it, uh, it becomes um, a bit of a concern. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on Harris in this market and it's obviously something that I think uh, when you have a team, when you've assembled a team, whether uh, you know you're purchasing it for the first time or it's a rental property, you've got mm. you've got your uh, realtor involved, you've got your broker involved, you've got your uh, legal team involved. Like everyone needs to be talking. Uh, it's it's so important in this type of environment that everyone's on the same page to kind of figure out, you know, that there's there, 
we've done our due diligence and you are minimizing the amount of risks um, when it comes to um, yeah, real estate. I, I still think there's some great opportunities out there. In fact, I just did a TikTok. Uh, I haven't actually released it yet, but it'll be released by the time this comes out, um, where I compare some of the different um, markets and what uh, the current sort of average uh, house price is going for. And we're starting to see that, uh, you know, these um, prices are starting to soften a little bit. So, I mean, it's not all mm-hmm. doom and gloom. I think there's opportunity out there. You just have to look for it. Anyway, you got any closing remarks for us? You have, uh, you always have good w- words of wisdom to wrap things up with. <laughs> Put no, I say, you. you know what, like, I would say this is a better market than when you're going in blind and buying houses and putting in bids that like you're hoping will get accepted um, without any conditions and prices that we've never seen before. It's better. I'd rather be in this market, right? I'd rather be, you know, looking at being able to now put in conditions, making sure that the house is good, making sure that uh, the bank will lend you the money, use those conditions. It is a safer um, by then a time where you couldn't put in any conditions in. So yeah. I think this is the market's actually um, it's turned for the better. Yeah, I agree. I a hundred percent agree with you that there's a, there's more opportunity here to kind of uh, just do your homework and be very methodical when it comes to, to buying. And then if you're up for renewal too, you do have, time, right? Because typically uh, most lenders can hold a rate for 120 days, maximum about 120 days out. So if someone's up for a renewal, it's a good opportunity to switch. Banks always want your business. And if you can hold a rate and it kind of secures you against any uh, rising um, uh, like increases from now until the time you close, you may as well. so yeah, great, great points there, Harris. I appreciate you coming on with me. It's always a pleasure. Let's do this again soon. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll pick it up and see where the market is. Yeah, man. Take, thanks for joining us, everyone. Take care. Yeah, see you guys.